welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, reporter for The Daily Item. In last week's episode, we discussed the gruesome murder of 42-year-old Troy LaFerrara, a man from Port Traverton, Pennsylvania, whose body was found behind 240 Catawissa Avenue in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. LaFerrara had been stabbed more than 20 times. In the weeks that followed, investigators searched far and wide for any sort of lead in the murder. Three weeks later, the authorities made an arrest in the murder of Troy LaFerrara. On the morning of November 12, 2013, a body was found on an alley in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Later identified as Troy LaFerrera, the victim of a gruesome murder had been stabbed more than 20 times. Sunbury police spent weeks investigating the crime before arresting 18-year-old Miranda Barber, followed by her husband, Elliot, just a few days later. With ties to Satanism and their self-described desire to just kill someone together, the couple was soon recognized nationwide as the Craigslist killers. On December 3rd, 2013, 18-year-old Miranda Barber was arrested on counts of criminal homicide, possessing instruments of crime, simple assault, and two counts of aggravated assault. Before the criminal complaint was filed, I was at the newspaper in the morning, and I got a phone call from a source that says, giving you a heads up, they made an arrest. I said, what do you mean they made an arrest? So I'm just giving you a heads up. If I were you, I'd get ready because they made an arrest. And I'm like, well, damn. So I fly across. At that time, the district judge was right across the street from the newspaper as well. So I fly across the street and I called everybody and they said, yep, coming in now. Within minutes of me being there, thank God that I got lucky to get there. In rolls an unmarked police car and out walks the devil. The devil. Out walks the devil. And you knew that just by looking at them? Yes. She walked out, stared directly at me. Long, crazy long hair. Curly and just crazy long. Like, this girl's not from here. Like, I know the town pretty well. I don't know everybody, but just didn't look like it was from here. Didn't say a single word. Just stared. And they walked her in. So we get in. We sit down. I still don't know a name. Don't have the criminal complaint. I have nothing. Just her sitting there. Waiting. And this is where usually then the judge reads the criminal complaint. And there's there's a good pause in between there. Good. Sometimes it could be long. Sometimes it's short. But there's a, there's a decent pause. So I'm the only one in the courtroom. And I'm sitting. And I'm sitting. And then one by one, here comes more media. Here comes more media. And as this young girl is sitting there, she turns around and she sees all the media, doesn't say anything, and then turns the other way to where I was and stared right at me. Never turned her head. So I said, I'm not looking away. Just stared. And it was probably 30 seconds to a minute 
but I challenge anybody to stare at a person for a minute. It gets really uncomfortable. She never turned her head. The judge came in, turned her head. They started handing out criminal complaints to all the media. And as I'm scanning it, I'm looking, Miranda Barber, Miranda Barber, North Carolina. And I'm like, I knew it wasn't from here. And then it just gets crazier as I'm reading it. So she, in this criminal complaint, she claims that she had met Mr. LaFerrara online for companionship, that uh, she was kind of a paid escort for companionship. She met him. They met up. It was only supposed to be to talk. And he got grabby and things got out of control and she stabbed him and she killed him. And And she admitted to this. She admitted to it, but she admitted because the reason it was self-defense is because he was very touchy grabby. Yes. Mm -hmm. They came and got her. Uh, They lured her back in. When they originally interviewed her the first time, which we have video of, Mm -hmm. uh, she she stuck to her story. Then they couldn't hold her. So she was leaving and they said, we're going to take your phone. And you can hear her just go crazy when they kept her phone. But she actually left the building. She Mm -hmm. got out of the building. They left her go with eyes on her the entire time. And uh, days later is when they came and got her on December 3rd. So it was probably late December, late November, really early December, like the first or second when she got out. But it wasn't long that she was out. Over the course of their investigation, authorities came across a number of things that led them to arrest Miranda Barber. For one, they had reviewed surveillance footage surrounding the Susquehanna Valley Mall in Shimokin Dam, Pennsylvania, where LaFerrara's truck was found. They saw that Barber's car was in the parking lot around the time of the crime. Having also reviewed cell phone records, they discovered that Barber was the last call that LaFerrara received prior to the crime. Let's back up a little bit. What led police to finally arrest her. Well, there was a cell phone that was left behind. So, which I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. And the cell phone, which was never taken out of Mr. LaFerrara's pocket, showed the last numbers coming up and there were North Carolina numbers. So once they got that, they started tracing back to North Carolina and started to uh, interview people back in North Carolina, which led them to this girl coming into Sealands Grove, which led to them checking cameras all the way up and down the Route 1115 corridor. And then from there, they started to get all kind of videos from all over the place. So, so they bring her in for, they bring her in to talk, right? She says she didn't know the guy and they're like, oh, well, your number's on his phone. Like, and she says, well, I I, I meet people on Craigslist. So maybe he was one of those people right. well, that I meet on. Craigslist. She just said, Online, And then we okay, come to find okay. out there was all kind of different sites that she was on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she says that she was in contact with some guy on November 11th and they made plans to meet at the parking lot of the Susquehanna Valley Mall, which back to the last episode is where they ended up finding LaFerrera's truck. But she says they made plans to meet at the mall. But when she got there, it was really dark and she felt Sketchy weird. Sketchy was the word. She yeah. Used. Yeah. So she talked to the guy on the phone and then left, and she never met with him. Correct. And then she later changed her story, saying that she was scared. So or she told him, get into my car. And when they made it over to Sunbury, he got very grabby, touchy. And that's when she said she defended herself and pulled out the knife and stabbed him. Mm-hmm. 
Now, before she admitted that to the police, didn't, like, some of her friends told cops that she carries a knife on her little online dates? Friends back in North in Carolina and friends yeah. that she was living with at the time, yes. Mm-hmm. And she had a young daughter. So she had a young daughter through all of this. Mm-hmm. So when she admits to, you know, self-defense killing uh, Troy LaFerrera is on the December 3rd interview the day after... She came back and wanted an attorney. And what did they say to that? They said, you don't have any right to an attorney because you're not arrested. If you want an attorney, pay for one and bring them in here yourself. That's correct. Yep, that's correct. And then obviously once she got arrested, then she was provided with an attorney. Right, right. But so she comes back on December 3rd and wants an attorney. They said, well, screw you. Basically, we don't have to give you one because you're not under arrest for anything. So she sets down to talk with them anyways, I guess. And she says... That, you know, she and Troy LaFerrera met on Craigslist. They decided to meet at the mall. He got in her car. They went to Sunbury and he told her to pull over. And that's when he started to touch her. He put his hands on her throat and that's when she got the knife and started stabbing him. She said she stabbed him two or three times and then she blacked out and she didn't remember the rest. She started to drive away and she could hear that he was alive because he was still choking. She drove to the spot that police found him dumped. She opened the passenger door, watched him fall out, took his wallet, got back in the car, and drove away. That's what she claimed to the police at the time. Now, we've since learned many new things have come Of course, of then. course. But this, even this story. Okay, so you stabbed him, what was it, 20-ish times? Yeah. Okay, but she says, okay, but I blacked out and I didn't remember. I don't. I didn't know what was happening. I don't remember stabbing him that many times. Okay, so you're driving away and instead, even if it was self-defense, you feel like you would take him somewhere or take him to get help, say, look, I stabbed this guy because he was touching me. But no, she, she can hear him choking in the backseat. That to me, that's what really gets me. Yeah, yeah. I, Is that yeah. she's driving the car, can hear him choking. And again, at this point, we don't we don't see any of this. We're just reading all this. So she never said a word in court. She never said a word when they took her away and put her in in jail. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever said. So I didn't know what this girl sounded like. Right. Like I wouldn't have known her voice. She never said a word. Right. So again, you're what you're reading is what was in the criminal complaint. We've later come to get the videos to watch what she said, and. I mean, she's she's a small, petite girl who sounded mm-hmm. like a like a very young child. I, she was eighteen, and she sounded like she was thirteen. She was younger than me. Yes, and she sounded like she was thirteen. So it was really weird. And Troy LaFerrara was a big guy, mm-hmm. you know, six foot something, two hundred and some pounds. He was a big guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't add up to like yeah, you know, how he could have stopped her. Yeah. So, during this second interview, she says, you know, I dumped him, I took his wallet, drove away. So, that's when they arrest her? It was shortly after that, yes. It wasn't long after that as they arrest her, because I okay. found that out when we watched the video. But, right. yeah, it was shortly after that when they when they arrested her. Okay. I don't think she left the building from that point. I think that was when it was... Okay. When she went back in, I think it was the end of it. She never made it back out. But that was an all-night affair, because they did it the night before. Uh-huh. She didn't come in until the morning to get arranged. So it was an all-night affair. We'll be right back. 
Sholly Insurance Agency is an independent insurance company that has been family owned and operated since 1985. When you enter their branches in Lewisburg and Sealands Grove, you will be welcomed by local agents who understand your needs and want to help you find the right coverage at the best price. Locally based and community oriented, Sholly Insurance will help you protect what you love. Head to sholleyagency.com for more information. Sholly Insurance Agency, we're here to help. After Miranda Barber's arrest, her husband, Elliot, wanted to talk. Elliot told Francis that, yes, he was aware of what his wife did online, and he was okay with it because it never involved sex. It was only conversation. He also said that Miranda would make anywhere from $50 to $850 per meeting. Elliot claimed that he didn't know about anything until police picked him up after work to ask some questions. He also said that his wife killed in self-defense, but was wrong for keeping it from police. So he tells me, so uh, interesting part about that is I'm sitting there, you know, trying to find out, trying to actually contact people in North Carolina who were given some resistance. And I needed to go to the courthouse to look something up. I went across the street inside the courthouse and I got a phone call from my editor. And he says, you need to come back here right now. And I'm like, for what? And they said, just come back here. So I'm like, well, that's odd. So I run back across the street. I said, what's up? And they said, Elliot Barber called and he wants to talk. I said, well, great. So we call, I called him back and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, I want, I'd like to come in and tell uh, our side of the story. And I said, great. I said, I'm here. What time could you be here? He said, well, they took the car. They took our car. So they seized her car, which I mm -hmm. didn't know until they found out. He said, I don't have a car. He said, so you'd have to come and pick me up. I'm in Sealands Grove. So my newspaper is like, mm, is this a good idea? I'm like, how about we send you somebody with you? So they send a woman editor. Who come what do you me. mean? Woman editor, Francis. So you just bad. said that. No, mm -hmm. Nothing bad, but not some. Would you be a fighter? In Heck that? yeah, I would. Uh, you know what? I believe that you would. Exactly. But. So should have sent me. I was so, 10. Right. So they send me and uh, Joanne was her name. They still were very highly against it. And I said, I'm going. So one way or another, I'm going. I'm not missing this. So we go down and get the address and we go in and I see people looking out the windows and craziness. So he comes out of the house and he's got a little red hoodie on and he opens the car door. He says, how are you, sir? And I said, I'm good. And, he, and the editor jumps in the back seat. He gets in the front seat. And before we pulled out, I said, Mr. Barber, let me tell you something. Here's how this is going to happen. I said, we're going to drive back to the newspaper. When we drive back to the newspaper, I'm going to let you know one thing. I don't know you and you don't know me. I said, but if you make any movements whatsoever, if, you, if I even think that you're going to make a movement, if you reach for anything, if you blink the wrong way, I will take this car and I will smash it into a pole. I said, I'm telling you point blank. And none of us will get out. Or if I do, we're going to have a major problem. I said, so I'm giving you the heads up right now. And he said, no, sir. I just want to tell my side of the story. And the guy never moved. Stayed perfectly still. So you guys up. get back to the paper. We get back to the paper. He comes inside. Did he, he say anything on the ride there? Or was he just kind of quiet? Would you have? 
<laughs> After that, no, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything, and we really didn't say much. There was not much talk. Mm-hmm. Now we get back to the newspaper. He comes inside, and he sits down, and he's telling us how his wife was an escort. And mm-hmm. that this happened, and she came home, and she was a panicked wreck, and she was scared. And, and he tried to do all these horrible things to her, and she was only defending herself. And she was, you know, she would make up to $600 an hour and this is how they lived, but there was never any sex. It was just for companionship and she would talk to men and she would talk to these people and she would get paid to do it. So he knew about all this and he said, you know, it's fine because she's not having sex with them. So it's okay. No, they hadn't been married for long. Very short amount of time. And they had just come into the area. Correct. They had a friend that lived up here. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he said that she wasn't a killer or a prostitute, but she just had conversations with men. She provided friendly conversations. Friendly with conversation. Men we remember that for money. We remember that term very, very much. In the mm-hmm. So he said he didn't notice anything in the car that night, and he didn't know anything about it until police picked him up after work. To ask him some questions. Correct. And that's when he said, well, if it happened, you know, then then it had to happen because she, this guy was out of control yeah. with her. Yeah. So he tells, you know, he says that that Miranda made anywhere from 50 to $850 per meeting. That's a wide range. Very wide range. <laughs> and he said that she put ads on different websites, but they explicitly stated that sex was not included in the meeting. And he said that she was defending herself, but that she was wrong to keep it from the police. Correct. Which, like I said, seemed like the reasonable thing if you had to defend yourself, but then you do something, not let the guy choke in the car. Correct. But whatever. So then when it was when the interview was done, it was about an hour that we were in there. Uh, when we were all done, he goes outside and, and he smokes a cigarette. And I'm like, all right. I said, I'll take you back. And at this point, now I know... I see him. I know who he is. He was, it couldn't have been five foot four. I mean, he was a very small guy. I was like, ah, I don't think he has anything on him. I'll give him a ride back. He says, no, I'm going to stick around because I'm going to go over to the jail to, to see her. And the jail here in Sunbury was an old jail. So when, when they had outside time, you could like yell over the wall. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And I was not, I was not mad that I didn't have to drive him back. Right. So, he walks around the corner and I quick run in the office and I go up to the roof to watch. And there he just sat on the front steps of the jail, like a lost soul. And he just sat there, had to be for an hour, two hours. And I kept looking. I, I didn't stay there the whole time because it was just bizarre. Mm-hmm. And, and so did you, you believed him about all this? I didn't know. I don't like, know. No, I didn't believe him at all. I didn't believe uh, okay. him at all. And by any means, okay. I didn't believe him at all. But I didn't know. I, I, I would have assumed that he, that he knew. Okay. But I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what was next. Yeah. You know. Right. I had no idea what was coming next. But then after about an hour and a half, I guess, maybe close to two hours, I went up and looked out. There's no Elliot Barber. So I'm like, hmm, let me take a walk. So I take a walk and I'm walking up Market Street, which is one of the main arteries here in Sunbury. And I'm walking up and I see him and he has his hood up and he's walking, pacing back and forth by the police station, just pacing back and forth. But he never notices me. So I crossed the street and I just stood and watched, stood and watched. And I saw him go in and it was very cold. And it was about three hours that we waited Mm -hmm. and nothing. And then we left 
And I went home that night and I said, something's not right. And I started making phone calls to various police. Nobody answered me. There was no answer whatsoever. So in this time, Snyder County Children and Youth, because they were living in Seals Grove. Snyder County Children and Youth, Miranda actually had a child. The child was a year and a half at the time. Mm -hmm. So Snyder County Children and Youth takes the child. Now, this wasn't Elliot's child. Correct. Miranda had Aria. Is that her name? It is. With another man before she was with Elliot. And they they took Aria from Elliot and said that he was under too much stress to take care of the child. Correct. So they take they take Miranda's daughter. Elliot also revealed that they had just I said this before, they had just moved to the area five weeks ago. They had moved to Seals Grove. Elliot now this is five weeks after the three weeks after yes. the killing. So at the time yes. of the murder, they had yes. only been here for two weeks. Elliot also had a child. Not How here, old was there? But his... uh, maybe two at the okay. time. But that child so a young child. North Carolina, yes. So then police are still investigating at this time. Eight days after the death of La Ferreira, she posted a picture online of a wedding band. Captioned, finally picked the perfect wedding ring. And I guess through research, they found out that the ring was comparable to a $3,000 ring from the same company. I didn't know that till after everything started coming out. But yeah, we started to, I looked her up. I mean, we did, we used all her social media, everything at that point. We used every picture that she had. She made Thanksgiving dinner. It was November 13th after, when it happened. She made between the murder. For the first time, yeah. And the arrest. She was excited and said on Facebook that her, on her social media, that cooking dinner for the first time. Hmm. And she made a big family. You know, there was a bunch of them living so in this house So things seem to be totally back to normal. Totally back to normal. Okay. But at the time, we didn't know a name. So I wouldn't have been able to, you know, see any of that. And then also, doctors say, said that those who black out while committing a crime don't tend to cover their tracks. Which is back to what I said. If that happens, then you're dumping well, a guy cleaning out any, the car. I don't think anybody believed it when she was saying it. Yeah. But, but that was but her still, story. I mean. That was her story and she was sticking to it, you know. To this day, I will say this. To this day, and as you get deeper into this, Miranda Barber has never admitted to police that she killed this man. Well, she said she stabbed him. To me, which you'll oh. get deeper on. She never admitted it. To this day. Mm-hmm. She never pled guilty. I should say, I should say she never admitted to the reasons okay. other than saying what she had said right. to police that she, that it was self-defense and everything else. Right. As you get deeper into this season, you're going to find out the, those, those reasons that she had stated, but she never admitted it to police. Right. So Elliot goes in and he doesn't come out. He never came back out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of About Last Night. Be sure to come back next week to hear what happened next in this investigation. Also, join us on Friday on our new show, In the Know, for your weekly roundup of Central Pennsylvania news. This podcast is produced by Harf Productions, LLC.